Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And admittedly, last week was a lot. It was just a tough logistic week with Chris being on the road on this Cavaliers road trip. But we are happy that he is back in Northeast Ohio, as are the Cavaliers, after a miserable road trip for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And partially, maybe for Chris, maybe he'll explain that in a little bit. Cavaliers on the road trip. Lost one, two, three, four, five games on the West Coast. Uh, and that came after losing three in a row at home. So just a brutal stretch for the Cavaliers now in a in an eight-game losing streak. Um, but, Chris, let's get into your road trip first before we get into the Cavaliers' road trip. Yeah. So you were just telling me that Portland was specifically bad. Oh, my what God. What happened in Portland? It was the winter storm of the decade in Portland. And, okay. and here's the thing, Hayden. Everything that I dealt with in Portland, I am now dealing with here in Cleveland. Because everything that was in Portland in terms of the winter storm and the weather and the cold temperatures and the freezing rain and the snow obviously made its way here to Cleveland two, three days later. So I'm getting this twice, which is just fantastic. Right. You know, I left Phoenix, went to Denver those two places, fine. Phoenix, great. Great temperature. And then Portland, I get hit with the winter storm of the century. And it's not like Chicago. It's not like Green Bay. It's not like Cleveland. Portland isn't prepared for the winter storm of the century. Right. They don't believe in rock salt. They <laughs> use sand, by the way. Sand. Oh. It doesn't work. They know oh. it doesn't work but they don't believe in rock salt because it's too bad for the environment and it can get into the water supply or something along those lines. Oh. They have very limited snow plows, maybe four in the entire county, I think, that I saw running. Um, there were people in Portland that were on skis, like cross-country skiing their way through the streets because no cars were running no Ubers were running, no Lyfts were running, and they <laughs> shut down all public transportation in terms of bus and train. Think about that. Oh, my goodness. It's so just, when, a, yeah. when a snowstorm hits Portland, they're not prepared, and the city completely shuts down. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can imagine a city that's not prepared just being brutal when the snow comes. I mean, I've seen all these, you know, these photos of 
are these images of Austin, Texas, and all yep. these places in Texas, and they're not compa- They're not. Um, they're not used to it. They don't know right. what's they're going not on either. Yeah, how could you be? No. It was like it was like the first time that the Cavs had a championship parade. It was <laughs> it was horrible, right? Like it right. extended so long. Nobody had water. Everybody was miserable because it was so so hot, and people spilled into the streets. and And the Cavs didn't know what they were doing, and the city didn't know what they were doing because they'd never experienced it before. They had right. nothing to go off of. Portland was clueless on how to handle this sort of thing. So they play Friday night, right? Yep. I stay in city center, which is away from the arena. It's probably about a 20 minute walk away from the arena, five minute ride away from the arena. Um, but it's closer to other things that I would need access to. Mm-hmm. So I had ordered up an Uber and this was just about when the snowstorm was starting to hit. I had pre-ordered an Uber, like I pre-scheduled it because I knew that it was going to be complicated and I wanted to protect myself. Yep. Four minutes from the Uber driver's arrival, he canceled on me. Oh, no. Yeah. So I'm sitting in my hotel and I'm wondering, how am I supposed to get to this arena? Now, in past years, I would just walk. No problem. I walk everywhere. I walk to... The Nuggets place, I walk to the Phoenix Arena. When I'm staying in these cities, I try and just walk places to get that kind of exercise. It's no big deal. Um, I go outside, and I'm like, how am I supposed to make it to this arena? Like, I'm, it's something out of a movie here. <laughs> so I pull it up on my phone, and I do the directions, and I'm starting to walk towards the arena. And I'm thinking to myself... You know, this isn't bad. It's kind of slippery. It's a snowstorm, but it's okay because it's the same kind of terrain. And then as you're approaching the arena, you have to go straight uphill over a bridge. Oh, no. And I'm standing there, and I'm in sneakers, right? I'm not in boots. I'm not in the kind of gear that you would need to climb a mountain, basically. And I'm staring up at this hill, and I say to myself, I can't do this. There's no way I'm getting up here. I didn't have a stick to help me uphill or anything like that. I had my backpack on. I had a couple of bottles of water. And I'm freezing cold. My mask is soaked. Um, Everything in my bag was soaked because it was freezing rain and snow at that time. Yeah. So I get halfway up the hill. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. My legs are on fire. I'm not prepared for this. And I finally make it to the top of the hill on the bridge. And I felt like I had climbed Everest. Seriously. (laughs) I was so excited. I was so proud of myself. And then I looked at where I had to get to to still get to the arena. And I still had about 10 minutes left. And I was just like, oh, my God, I don't think I'm going to make it. There's no chance I'm going to make it. And you go downhill. So I decided to sit down and slide down the hill. <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't walk anymore. It was too much snow. It was about a foot of snow. Yeah. I, it, was, it was awful. Oh, my God. And that was That's... just on game night. 
That was just a yeah. game night. Right. So how the did you next, get back to the hotel? Uh, so that's another story in of itself. Shout out to Blazers PR. They're fantastic. Um, there were no lifts available. There were no Ubers available. I called a member of the Blazers PR and I said, look, I'm stuck. Like, I cannot make this walk back to the hotel. I already made the walk to the arena. I'm not going to make it. I'm just not going to make it. So one of the members of the Blazers PR staff lived nearby and he came back in his SUV and he drove me to my hotel. So that was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Good. That was going Good above and beyond. Oh my goodness. So then from there, so you said you were stuck in your hotel. How did you get from Portland to what was the next game? Um, LA. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother story. Okay, so <laughs> so I get back from the arena that night, late Friday night. I'm exhausted. I don't yeah. want to write at all, but I have to write because I had noticed Andre Drummond being disengaged on the bench and not interacting yeah. with his teammates in huddles and stuff like that. So I felt like I needed to write that, but I was exhausted. So I do what I always do the night before I'm scheduled to leave somewhere. I either schedule an Uber, schedule a Lyft, or just go old school and take a taxi because I don't trust Uber Lyft in, in these kinds of environments. Right. So I call down to the front desk at the hotel that I'm staying at, and I say, hey, look, I'm trying to set up a taxi for the airport tomorrow. Is there any way you can prearrange this for me, or can you give me some numbers that I can call so I can do this on my own? So we decided that we were going to tag team it. I would take three taxi companies and the front desk would take the other three. Okay. Nobody would let me set up a taxi ride to the airport. Oh Nobody. My God. They said, unless you're a member, we're not going to make the trip. One, because of the weather and two, because of COVID. <laughs> I mean, there's still a pandemic going on along with the winter storm. So I had to factor that into the equation. Right. So... Taxi was not available. I called um, to see what time the train was going to be running to the airport. I was told that that would not be running because of the weather. Uh, then I was told that the buses would not be running. Oh so it's the night before I'm scheduled to leave for Los Angeles. And I think my flight the next day was around... 10 a.m. or something because I yeah. wanted to get the hell out of Portland and I wanted to get to L.A. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to schedule a lift. This this might backfire on me, but at least this is an option. So I went to bed with a clear mind thinking that I would have a lift scheduled in the morning. And I had scheduled it for maybe 8.15 to protect myself and give myself enough time, whatever. Right. So I wake up super early to make sure that this scheduled lift ride is still on my app. And it is. And I'm excited. And then 815 rolls around and I haven't gotten a notification that the driver has left yet. So oh, no. now I'm in freak out mode. Um, basically, I got stuck in my hotel. I had no route to get to the airport. The, the Lyft driver never came. Eventually, I got a notification that it had been canceled, but that was around 10 a.m. 
So, so what did you do? I um, I panicked. I uh, <laughs> nearly broke down mentally. I um, I didn't know what to do, man. Like I had no idea. I, I have not. In look, I understand that that people go through harsh things, but but for me personally. I hadn't felt that helpless in a long, long time. I had no option of getting from my hotel to the airport. I had no option of getting onto this plane to Los Angeles. I went down to the front desk lady and I said, I will give you a hundred bucks right now if you drive me to the airport. (laughs) She laughed at me, but I think she was a little bit offended by my offer to her. And I said, I just don't know. Do you have any solutions for me whatsoever? I said, I've called every cab company. I've tried Uber. I've tried Lyft. I don't know anybody in the Portland area that can drive me to the airport. And I have to get on this flight to Los Angeles. Um, so I sat in my hotel lobby for about three hours all by myself, like basically broken at this point in time, just hoping and praying that somebody would get dropped off at my hotel and I could bum a ride to the airport from the person that had dropped off the other person. Right. Um, And about three hours later, probably two and a half hours after I'd already missed my flight and rebooked another one, hoping that I could just get out of Portland. The only taxi that I had seen in two days dropped somebody off. I sprinted out of the hotel I asked the guy who was unloading the bags if he would take me to the airport, and he finally took me to the airport. Thank God. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's a hellacious time that you had in um, in Portland, for sure. And, and at one point, while I was waiting in the lobby, the hotel lost power briefly. So that made me freak out a little bit more, too. Jeez. But it was just, it was awful, man. I had no options. I didn't know what to do. I was so worried about it. But I just thought I was like, going to be. I, I just thought I was going to be stuck in this hotel for days, like okay. sheltered in, blocked in, no way of getting to the airport. Unbelievable! What a way yeah. to start the podcast today. <laughs> what a way to start the podcast. So, if you thought the Cavaliers had problems on this road trip, just just think about what Chris had to deal with in Portland. Everybody Just, thinks traveling is fun, and it is. There are a lot of perks to travel, but man, it can be brutal. Yes, Early mornings, living out of suitcases, like you lose such an element of control, and it's really, really difficult. Like yeah. my my ability to get to Los Angeles was in the hands of some random Uber, Lyft, cab driver, just hoping that somebody would show up at my hotel to take me. Yep, yeah. brutal. Brutal, yep. brutal, brutal. And speaking of brutal, <laughs> we'll talk some basketball now. Like <laughs> I said at the beginning, like I said at the beginning of the uh, podcast today, Cavaliers enter uh, today on an eight-game losing streak with losses to the Clippers, the Bucks, the Bucks, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, the Clippers, and the Warriors. And on top of all of that, Larry Nance Jr. out with a broken hand that he sustained right before that road trip, and then. Uh, Andre Drummond will not be playing with the Cavaliers until he is traded by March 25th. So just it, it, we were talking about how good the start was for the Cavaliers. They were 10 and 11. We were talking about, you know, 
good things happening, and then they just got hit by a bus. Yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of things they can control on the court, in terms of things they can't control, in terms of Larry Nance's injury, like that's a big loss. Like, it's just it's it was just a miserable, miserable stretch for this Cavs team. Yeah, and I don't know how to view it properly. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I'm supposed to have these answers. I'm supposed to provide this intel. I I just don't know what the right way to view this is. Because on one hand, you can't just dismiss everything and say, well, you know, they have a lot of things that they're dealing with, and this is a rebuilding team, and they're fighting way above their weight class. Now, that's part of it, sure, but but I just don't think you can dismiss everything. Um, At the same time, like, there is a reality about what this team is dealing with right now. So... I need you to help me with this okay? because I've been struggling with this for the last couple of days. And I was thinking about this on the flight back from San Francisco. Um, If we expected this in many ways, you and I expected this. We talked about how brutal this stretch was going to be Mm -hmm. and how they would probably look and feel like a completely different team when they got back from this road trip. Yeah. So, if these things are expected and easy to explain, does it make it okay? No, here's why. The, I think it's more in the way that the ways that they lost. Like, okay, the the uh, the Suns game, you know, fought really hard. You know, I would call it a good loss, but no loss is a good loss. But I mean, you lost by six, played till the end, close game. Young kids played you, well. Yeah, right. But then from there. Nuggets beat you by uh, a million. 30. A million. <laughs> Trailblazers beat you by 19. Clippers right. beat you by 17. Yeah. Warriors beat you by 31. I mean, just, it, you know, like no games were even remotely close. So, like, yes, I understand that, that yes, this is the reality of the situation. I did not expect them to win. You know, maybe I expected them to win. I probably didn't expect them to win any of those games on the road, but... Um, just again, the way in which they lost again, and going back to even before that, they lost to the Clippers by, they haven't lost again outside of that Suns game. They've lost all these games by like at least 15 points. Right. Right. So I think it's more in the way, I think it's the more in way in the way that they're losing these games and like defensively, you know, they, they've taken a step back offensively. They're still only scoring like 99, hundred points a night. I mean, you know, around maybe 105 average, like, it's just not good in any facet right now. Yeah, again, I don't want to excuse everything, because I don't think that's the right approach. Right. And I don't want it to come across as this. But this is a really, really big challenge for me. Because if we just closed our eyes and did blind resume, and just ignored some of the stuff that happened at the beginning of the season, and I told you that a team that was in a rebuild, and the Cavs are still in a rebuild. I think we all admit that. It's year three post-LeBron. Yep. If I told you a team was rebuilding and going through a stretch of eight straight games against winning opponents, five of those on the road, which is tougher these days because of all the testing protocols and how late they're getting in and how early they have to get up for the testing protocols and all those different things. Um, And I told you that team was playing with a disengaged star 
who was yeah. critical to their success at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. um, also playing without their most important defensive player that yeah. was critical to their identity being what it was at the beginning of the season, also playing without one of their most important offensive pieces who raises their floor and their ceiling all at the same time, Kevin Love, yeah. and is starting three guys at critical positions that are all 22 and under. Like, what would you think would happen? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I sincerely believe, I agree with that, and I, I see your point for sure. But, um, you know, I just think that, like, at least with like you know we talked we we were we were kind of lauding Colin and Colin like Colin was taking steps taking steps and then yeah. like you know defensively he's just been really bad lately and you know hasn't been as great offensively and like you know I just again I want to see those steps so like yes I understand it was a bad road trip and and it was a tough road trip but I just I, I want to see like growth and maybe this maybe that tough stretch will help Colin to grow and I, I agree with you 100 percent that yeah that like that everything they're dealing with is tough, that what they've been dealing with since the beginning of the year is tough. With Matthew Delavidoe out, they, they don't really have a backup point guard. And Thank Kevin you. Love has been out for most that's of the year. That's another one. Yeah, and, that's and, one that I forgot. They, they literally have one point guard on this right. roster, Darius Garland, and they do not function well without him. Right. So, I mean, I agree that I think it's kind of, I think they're kind of around where they probably should be with everything going on. It's just kind of disappointing that, you know, that you look at them and you're like, okay, they were, you know, really, you know, playing above their pay grade, really like yep. working well together. And then you did, they just like crashed right back to earth real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it's disappointing to not see Larry, like Larry Nance Jr. was having a really good season, was up for, you know, was being called, you know, one of the best defenders in the NBA. And then all of a sudden he goes out for, with a, um, with a, a broken hand. Like it's just, yep. It seems like they can't really catch a break, and it's just it's really hurting them. So that's where I'm at, and and maybe I have to talk through this with myself on this podcast, and maybe I have to talk through it with myself on a piece. But everything that has happened with the Cavs recently, to me, has been completely predictable. It's also easily yep. explainable, yep. right? True. But, yep. but I'm just not sure if that makes it okay or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. And and that's my struggle with this team right now, because I don't think it's right for me as as somebody who covers this team on a daily basis to just justify everything under the umbrella of young, growing team going through growing pains. Right. Right. But at the same time, nobody, including myself, can lose sight of the reality of who this team is. And where they are, because that's not fair to them. Right. So I no, don't I, I don't know. I don't know what's right in this situation. Well, it's something that definitely, you know, you're it's gonna find you're gonna find out sooner or later. I mean, that's you know, I think that if this team continues to kind of do the things that they did on the road trip, then you're gonna, you know, find out really quick that it was not acceptable. But you know, if they bounce back and then you know and they get Kevin Love back and they get Matthew Delavadova back and um, you know, and start to play a little better and start to play well at home. I mean, then you can say, okay, it's a little bit, it's kind of what we expected in terms of that bad road trip and, you know, then not being with, not having Kevin Love and then the Andre Drummond experience experiment ending, um, you know, it's, it's, it, those things all played a role in that bad stretch. And now they're back to competing and playing night in and night out. And that might not even mean wins. I mean, we're not, I don't think we're necessarily talking about wins here, but we're yeah. talking about more competitive basketball. 
Yeah, I think that's um, and they fair. played on the road. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because because you're right. We we knew all along this season was not solely going to be defined by a win-loss record. And that's hard because it's a bottom-line business, right? And people want results. And if you're not getting results in the win column on the scoreboard, it's hard to recognize a working process or a functional process or however you want to term it. Um, so I, I do think there is some fairness to what you're saying in terms of the competitiveness level and being in games um, and, and, and allowing yourself because you're in games to have more teachable moments right and um and more opportunities for these guys to go through that kind of experience and i think that that's i think the point that you just made is exactly what i'm getting at like teachable moments the the cavaliers have many teachable moments on this road trip outside of just going through the road trip and and having you know the enduring that kind of a a difficult travel schedule and difficulties in terms of waking up and difficulties in terms of climate and all that stuff did they have any on-court like teachable moments not really i mean they were getting they were getting beat up pretty badly in these games most of these games just from the outset so you know and that'll harm development in my mind so like you know, I, I think that they got to get back to at least, you know, competing. And the good news is they have a stretch here where they're at home and they can relax or, they, you know, they can get back into, you know, the, not traveling all the time. And they've had some time off where they can think about this and watch film and and really practice together as they did today. Um, and luck. And as and if you're just joining us and you're not really aware of what's happening with the Cavs, um, Kevin loves still working with the team. Um, no timetable for his return yet, but he's practicing. Uh, Matthew Dellavedova was able to watch the team today and be able to get some work in. So both of those guys are definitely working their way back. And I would assume that Kevin Love is much more, much further along than Matthew Dellavedova at this point. Um, but you get those guys back and you start to, you know, maybe have a good game on Friday night after a long kind of a layoff here yeah. and um, get back to what you've been doing at, for what you were doing for most of the start of the season. Yeah. And I think the thing that you mentioned about practice is really, really important too, because on the grueling road trip that they had, there was no practice. There was no time available for that. It was too condensed of a schedule. There was too much travel mixed in. There was too many difficult games where um, JB Bickerstaff and the staff felt like, you know, we've got to give these times uh, to these guys to, to recover and to to allow themselves to be mentally and physically ready for these games against Portland and Denver and LA and even Golden State is better than I think a lot of people recognize. So the fact that they were able to practice today and work on some things that they had been talking about outside of a shoot-around capacity, I think that's important. A young team, a growing team, needs reps. Yeah. They need these practice sessions. Uh, they need more time together. And they haven't been able to have that. And, you know, a lot of teams around the NBA will sit there and say, oh, we don't need practice, right? But not every team is in the same kind of situation where they can um, not have practice for a long stretch and just be fine. Right. It's, yeah, the Cavaliers are definitely in need of team of rep in a team in need of reps, a team in need of practice, all of the above. Yeah, I mean they're not the Lakers so. here. They're not the Boston right. Celtics. Even the Celtics are in a bad way at this point in time. You know they're not the Los Angeles Clippers. They're not the 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 Phoenix Suns, 
who have been on a hot streak here. They're not the Brooklyn Nets. You know what I mean? Right. It's not a veteran-laden team. These are young guys that, that need as much work as they can possibly get behind the scenes to, to at least be at their best and, and stay competitive. Amen. Let's move in. In saying all of that, by the way, yeah. in saying all of that, um, the Cavs are two games back of the 10th spot in the play-in tournament. Because yep. as we talked about coming into this season, yep. the bottom of the Eastern Conference, all those teams that the Cavs are competing with, they all stink. Correct. <laughs> and some of them are worse than we thought they were going to be, by the way. Orlando, Atlanta. Miami. Miami. Yeah, that's another one. That's a weird one to me. Yeah, there's circumstances tied to that, though. Yeah, absolutely, with the Jimmy Butler and whatnot. But, yeah, Cavaliers currently at 10 and 19, the Chicago Bulls at 11 and 15, and the Charlotte Hornets at 13 and 15. So Charlotte playing a little better than maybe expected. Um, but certainly we, most of these teams we've kind of expected to be in this scenario. And the Cavaliers, like you said, only two and a half games back of that. Uh, no, excuse me. Yeah, Three and a half games back of that eight spot, and then two games back of the um, ten spot for the play-in tournament. So yeah. definitely not out of the realm of possibility. You are right. You are absolutely right. But um, I mean, there's a lot less hope than there was before they left on the road trip. I think we can all admit that. <laughs> yes, I think that is definitely fair. Um, with that said, there's also big news for the Cavaliers in terms of Andre Drummond. So Andre Drummond will not be playing for the Cavaliers. He will not be. I don't think. I think he's not. He was not a practice today. He's not going to be with the team. I mean, looks pretty disengaged, you know, from the Cavaliers. And uh, and Draymond Green actually kind of went on a little bit of a uh, uh, not. A, I wouldn't say a rant. He he had some good. It was points. a rant. It was, it was a rant. A rant. A rant. Yeah. Yes. Had a little bit of a rant about, you know, how NBA players are treated compared to the owners and, um, you know, how guys like Andre Drummond who want to play and who want to get on the court um, are, you know, silenced and said to sit down while we try to trade you. But then James Harden, you know, who wants to get traded, you know, tell him it's just it's it's kind of a hypocritical scenario. But anyways, we can talk about that in a second. But with Andre Drummond, I mean, this is kind of the end that we all thought. No, I mean, just that. He was going to get traded just because the Cavaliers weren't going to deal with him in free agency and they needed to get something for him. And now it seems like the Cavaliers might not have a lot of leverage, but certainly they're going to do something by March 25th. So what kind of happened here, Chris? Why did this all kind of explode so quickly? Well, I'll say this, Hayden. This is nobody looks good in this situation. No. Um. I don't think J.B. Bickerstaff looks great in this situation. Um, I certainly don't think Andre Drummond looks good in this situation. I don't think the NBA as a whole looks good in this situation because of the double standard that Draymond was talking about. I don't think general manager Kobe Altman looks good in this situation. I don't think the Cavs as an organization looks good. Um, I don't think it needed to come to this. Right. But it has, and that's where we are. And I don't think it makes any sense to just sit here and blame one person more than the other or figure out how much blame you're going to place on one entity or the other. Um, but but I think the front office and Dan Gilbert, they need to examine why these kinds of things keep happening within this organization. Right. They need to examine why the KPJ situation happened, right? They need to examine why the Andre Drummond situation happened. and. 
each one of these situations has different circumstances tied to it. Um, sure. They're not all the same. Um, but whether it's true or not, it's these kinds of things that make the organization look dysfunctional. I'm not saying that they are, but that's how they look because of things like this. There are two teams in the NBA right now that are not playing guys while trying to trade them. Two in the entire NBA. Yep. It's the Detroit Pistons, who are one of the worst organizations in the NBA, um, and it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it's not a good look. Uh, in saying that, I don't know that they really had another choice. I, I think everybody recognizes that even though it's not a great look, it's a very, very difficult situation. And it's one that probably doesn't have a good answer. If you continued to play him, that was not a good answer. That was not good for anybody. That wasn't good for the Cavs. That wasn't good for the young guys. That wasn't good for Andre and his trade value. Mm -hmm. That wasn't good for Andre and his future value going into free agency. That wasn't good for Jarrett Allen because he had to play the four position so that J.B. Bickerstaff could play both of those guys together and give them starter quality minutes because they're both starter quality players. So playing him wasn't a great option. And this, what they're doing with him, sitting him on the bench and having it so awkward with him there on sh in street clothes and, and wearing a farewell sweatshirt and, and being <laughs> around the team but not being able to practice with the team at this point in time, like, that's really awkward. Yeah. And that's not a good um, solution either. So uh, I, I think the Cavs are trying, trying to make the best of what is a horrible situation that everybody um, is at fault for. Absolutely. I think that you can't really blame one person over anyone in this situation with Andre Drummond. Because we all knew, we, again, we all knew that the, tra the trade was – the likely option here, the probably the only option here at the end of the day. And I just didn't, I, I agree with you that I didn't think it would come to this, but when it can't, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, it's probably for the best for everybody right now, even though it doesn't make anybody look the best, it's for the best of the Cavaliers at this moment. So with Andre Drummond not playing, um, what do you think about this, you know, this trade situation? I mean, yeah. I think you wrote recently that it's going to be tough. And obviously the Cavaliers need to get something for Andre Drummond. I mean, that's part of the reason that they did this whole thing was to get some value out of him and try try this experiment. So, I mean, what is the end game here in terms of Andre Drummond and, and what can Cleveland come away with um, in a trade for him? So before we get into that, I want to answer one question that that yeah. that I think I've I've gotten a lot either on subtext or I've gotten from people on Twitter. Yeah. It's why did they go this route in the first place? Like why did they trade for Andre a year ago in February? Right. And hindsight 2020, did they get out of it what they wanted to get out of it? Um because I think that's a fair question especially given the way that everything has derailed so quickly. So mm -hmm. hmm. I, I think I can summarize their mindset in acquiring him best this way. It was a free look at a guy, mm -hmm. the kind of player that they wanted to see. Could he fit alongside our young core? 
And they didn't have to give up anything in order to get him, really. Um, look, there's always a domino effect. And I think you can probably make an argument that Andre Drummond's arrival meant Tristan Thompson leaving. So if you want to say that they did give up something and they lost something in that particular deal, okay, I'll listen to that. But they gave up John Henson, Brandon Knight, two expiring contracts, and a future second-round pick to, to take a look at a guy when they had no center at the time, um, and they had small guards, and they were like, okay, do they need a big rim-rolling, rebounding, shot-blocking guy behind them, and how does that look? And remember, they, they were heading into the NBA draft when they didn't know exactly where they were going to pick, but one of the guys that they thought they would have been considering was James Wiseman, mm-hmm. that kind of player. And I think the Cavs wanted an early look about, okay, will that work with our young guys? How does that make our young guys better? And therefore, if James Wiseman is there, does he make the most sense for us from a value standpoint? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think they got that answer, right? I think they realized that they do need or want a player like that, but Andre wasn't that player. Right. And Jared Allen certainly seems to be that player. Right. And and I, I don't think there was any way that they could have predicted that Jared Allen was going to be available and that they were going to be able to trade for him. Um, and then when that opportunity presented itself, even if it was going to hurt them in the short term because they might have lost Andre um, and because of of the trickle-down effect of it all, I think they were okay with that because long-term, they felt like they got a piece that is critical, um, especially if they're committed to the young backcourt of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. And, and Jared Allen um, does things from a systematic fit that that Andre wasn't willing to do. Like Andre wanted to be more than what he actually was. Right. And Jared Allen is somebody who understands his role, doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective, can be a great defensive player, a great rebounder, while also not carrying a high usage rate, while also not dominating possessions, while also not clogging the paint and getting in the way of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. So I, I think the Cavs got the answers that they wanted from that particular trade. And I don't think because it's ended this way that it was a bad trade. No, I think it actually ended up, you know, giving them that look, right? Like you said, the look they wanted. And like the Jared Allen thing, I mean, you you could have never really known going into, you know, before, maybe a month before you may, might have had it, but there, there's no way they could have really known. So I think in the long term, they're fine. And, and I'm just wondering in the short term, like, you know, because Jared Allen is your guy for the future. We knew that the minute they got him, like, that's who they were going to roll with. But with Andre, yep. I mean, if you're Kobe Allman, what, what are you looking for in terms of what is the best case scenario in terms of an Andre Drummond trade? Like who, what do you, what do you, what is Cleveland looking for in that scenario? Draft picks? Well, I wrote about this, and in, in this, there's one question, Hayden, that looms over this entire thing, and it's how much bad money are the Cavs willing to take back? Yeah. Because I was talking to an executive about this very thing, and 
the way that he phrased it is if if this is an opposing executive if they're open to taking on future money beyond this year they could get a first round pick but if the Cavs are only tar- targeting expiring contracts um, because they don't want that kind of salary on the books for multiple years, then mm-hmm. they're probably looking at compensation similar to um, what happened with the trade, you know, when they acquired him. Yeah. It's expiring contracts to make the salary number match and a second round pick or two. But the truth is like the options are going to be limited regardless because the guys that make the kind of money that Andre makes um, are either really, really bad and you don't want those contracts on your books or they're really, really good and they're not going to be available in a trade. Right. So it might have to be a four for two or a four for one or a three for one. It's just going to be really difficult for the Cavs um, to find a team that has a need for Andre, a desire for Andre, and the contracts that make it work financially. I was thinking, <laughs> Blake, could they make Blake Griffin for Andre no. send him back to Detroit? <laughs> no, because Blake is going to pick up his $39 million player option for next season. And then you're going to have that contract on your books, and it's going yeah. to prevent the kinds of trades that you can make, and it's going to prevent the kind of free agency things that you can do. Not like the Cavs are a big destination in free agency, but they like optionality. And the minute that you take on a contract like Blake Griffin, or I've seen Washington floated out there, if you take on a contract like Davis Bertans, you're, yeah. you're welcoming salary cap hell. Yeah. And that's certainly something they don't they do not want to do. No, I mean rebuilding teams don't want to be in that kind of position. You want as many options as possible. So I mean, I do think there are fits out there, Hayden. Yeah. And I've been told that, you know, eight to ten teams somewhere in that ballpark have reached out to the Cavs about Andre. Some of them obviously more real, more interested than others. Um, Charlotte makes sense. The Brooklyn Nets make sense. If they can find a way to make the salaries work, that's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas, Toronto slash Tampa Bay. Um, the Miami heat makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the Sacramento Kings could be intriguing because they have some big contracts. Chicago has Otto Porter Jr.'s expiring deal that aligns. Uh, Portland needs help at center too. So I think there are enough teams um, that that need somebody like Andre and could feel like he could be an asset to them in a playoff push that it may not have to get to a point where they have to discuss a buyout. So I got two questions before we get rolling. First one. First question. When, when does Andre Drummond get traded? I have no idea. That's so difficult because you know this. Yeah, you've been around sports long enough to know this. Um, the best offers. I didn't don't say it was an easy. I, I said I just said it was a question. I didn't say yeah. it was an easy question. <laughs> I mean, the best offers. You know this. They don't come until the trade deadline. Yeah. Until there's actually a clock on this sort of thing. Yeah. Until oh, a team yeah. gets desperate and figures out that yes, we need to have this guy on our roster. Um, 
So I don't know. Okay, and the next question is, and again, not an easy question, but when does Kevin Love play his first game back with the Cleveland Cavaliers? I think Sunday. You think Sunday, okay. I do. So Friday they play the Nuggets, and then... I wouldn't rule that, that one out completely. I know that that was added to the schedule, and it kind of came out of nowhere, but the Cavs are going to get two practices, today and tomorrow, Yep. to see Kevin in that kind of stressful environment, to see how his calf responds to more physical activity. I would not rule out Friday completely. Okay, so Friday is a possibility, and then Sunday, Oklahoma City... And then Atlanta Tuesday, so they get the Monday off. Yeah. Um, and then back-to-back Wednesday versus Houston. Yeah, the so, thing that they were waiting on was practice. Yeah. They needed a baseline to figure out what he can do, what he can't do. And that doesn't come before um, a game and a workout all by himself, right? That doesn't come yeah. pre- or post-shoot-around all by himself. They needed to see him get up and down, scrimmage his teammates, and, and see how his body responds. So I think later tonight, early tomorrow, and how that calf responds, I think is really, really important in terms of his playing stats. Well, the good news for him is, like I said, they have a week at home. So they will they will be uh, at home until the 24th, and then they don't play again until the 27th. So they have even a couple more days at home. So... Um, I think that, like I said, we gotta we gotta watch see if they're back to being competitive, um, and if not, then maybe something really is off the rails here, and we gotta figure out what that is. But well, he's really this- important. I th- I think we've recognized. I think we've recognized here during this stretch, if the Cavs aren't going to have Larry Nance, the importance okay. of Kevin Love increases exponentially. Yep. It's it's one thing to be missing Kevin and have somebody like Larry Nance Jr to be able to fill those minutes and step into that starting role. But going from Kevin to Larry and now having to go from either one of those guys to Torian Prince or Jetty Osman, yeah. that's crippling. Not good. Not good. That's crippling. Definitely not good. All right, so like we said, the new game for the Cavaliers on the schedule is Denver on Friday. They were supposed to play San Antonio tonight, but instead decided that Chris had a really rough road trip and that he just needed some he needed a little bit of a break to stay at home with his wife. So, no, in all seriousness, all the best to the San Antonio Spurs. Hopefully they get this uh, COVID situation figured out. Um, and then the Cavaliers will be back at it on Friday, February 19th against the Denver Nuggets. Um, Chris, anything else before we head on our merry way? No. I don't think so. All right. Well, I mean, I think the Cavs are going to spend the next day and a half trying to figure out what's the next direction when it comes to Andre Drummond. Are yep. they going to allow him to practice? Um, what does that look like if that's the case? Are they going to still allow him to be on the bench supporting his teammates, or is it too awkward to have him there? I think there are still a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to the situation beyond what can they get for him in a trade? Are there enough suitors to actually trade him? Are they going to have to go the direction of a buyout? Um, The timing of it in the middle of a brutal road trip wasn't great, but now I think there's time for them to regroup and try and figure the next steps of, of this, like we said, difficult situation for everybody involved, including Andre. Right. And they'll for certain, 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 certainly 
um, you know, be evaluating Kevin Love and Matthew Dellavedova, which would be, you know, for this team would be important. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. All right. Well, as always, you got to go check out Chris's subtext. You can get the latest on the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, sent straight to your phone from Chris. All you got to do is go to the subtext um, little icon below on the Cleveland.com slash Cavs page where this Cavaliers uh, podcast will be posted. You know where it's posted. So just go check out Chris's subtext. All you got to do is put in your number. Again, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial when you begin with Chris. So um, he can tell you all about his um, his you know misery on the road when he's having troubles in Portland. He can tell you all about what's happening with Andre Drummond. He can tell you all about what's happening with Kevin Love, Matthew Delavidova, what he's hearing, everything. So go check out his subtext. Until then, Chris. I wish you the safest and best of travels, even if it's from your house to the grocery store <laughs> and or if it's like, you know, to your to your mailbox. I just I just hope that you travel easily and safely for the foreseeable future because you deserve it. Yeah, I'm, I'm still sore from that walk up the hill in Portland. <laughs> my calf, my Achilles, my quads. I, I just was not used to that sort of thing. Well, like I said, easy, safe travels for you in the very near future, my friend. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, We will talk to you later on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Have a great day.